0: Our text says that Abram, uh, along with Sarah, his wife, and uh, Lot, his nephew, uh, that, that after leaving Egypt, they journeyed on by stages uh, from the Negev and and to Bethel. Uh, we do that, you know. Uh, we journey on in, in stages. That, that's what I've learned, uh, not only from stuff that I've studied, but just from the experience of life itself. And, maybe you too. I know in college when I took um, uh, developmental psychology class we studied Eric Erickson and the uh, stages of human development specifically psychosocial development and the stages that that we go through. Uh, In seminary I studied with Dr. James Fowler, Margaret McCleskey's brother and he was a genius and a a pioneer in the field of our faith development and he wrote a really smart book uh, entitled stages of faith. This year our family, and maybe you've experienced this too, we've talked a lot about uh, the stages of grief and, and how our grief is a journey. All of these things and, and so many others like it. Um, we, we move and, and we grow in stages. This pilgrimage that we're on, you know it's complicated. Um, we know this from, from experience, that it's not always as simple as moving from point A to point B uh, to get to this place where we're going. Uh, if Abram's pilgrimage teaches us anything, it, it certainly teaches us that. After he left Egypt, it says that he went back to Bethel, that, that place where he had already been on his journey. Uh, it's, it says that that's the, that's the place uh, that, that he started. He went back to Bethel, to this place where he started, where he had pitched his tents, and this place where he built this altar. You know, they're building altars all over the place in the Old Testament. Every time someone experiences the presence of God in some powerful and moving way, uh, they'll they'll build an an altar, a, a reminder. Like, I don't know what those altars looked like. I don't know how they built them, but they built them. And Abram goes back to this place, or or at least he he finds himself there where he built this altar, where he called on the name of the Lord. You know, it strikes me that sometimes you and I, we need to circle back to some place that we've been before we need a fresh start. The season of Lent, you know, it's a reminder with the ashes or, or, or with the dirt that we are dirt. We remember that we're dust and that we're gonna go back to it someday. You know, the reality is is that that someday someone is gonna scatter my ashes to the wind or they're gonna dig a hole in this earth six feet deep and they're gonna put my body into it Um, that we're mortal it's it's a sobering thought also it's a reminder that we're sinful we remember our sin And, and that's sobering too you know Abram he had a rough go of it in Egypt Egypt for Abram was a disaster that was the the story that that we, we looked at last week you know uh, his fear his mistrust his deception like he caused a lot of pain and so Abram I mean he kind of needed to circle back he he kind of needed to, to have a fresh start, to to call on the name of the Lord, and that's what he did. And you know, I think it's probably, you know, a good thing for us to follow him there today. My question for us is, what is it that we need to circle back to? What. What is that altar or life marker, that place where we need to call on the name of the Lord? I invite us to do that today. Our liturgy invites us to such a thing. Merciful God, we confess that we've not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. And we come to this place. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus. You know, Abram... If you noticed, he was really rich. It says that he was rich in livestock, and he was he was rich in silver, and and he was rich in gold. Um, it makes me wonder, him coming out of Egypt like that, uh, with all of this wealth, if maybe some of the bad decisions in Egypt were motivated by greed, at Sarah's expense. We can't ever forget. Um, what she had to go through in Egypt. It says that that Lot was was really wealthy too. Like he also had his his herds and and his tents, and um, they were a formidable group. It says that their possessions were so great that the land could not support them living together. Like this reminder to us that. Um, as we go on our way, as we go on our journey that's life, the stuff that we do, it affects the planet. It affects the land. Um, and that's a big topic. We're actually going to go there after Easter for a couple of weeks um, with our Earth Day series. Um, that it matters how we live in this land that God entrusts us to care for and to till. But Abram and Lot, they had such possessions and it was, also, it was also causing lots of strife. So it says that, that Lot's people and Abram's people, um, they were going at each other. It doesn't break that down. But, you know, when you've got a lot of stuff and you're trying to manage it and hold on to it, and you know, I mean, it, it was causing trouble. If you, if you notice in this story, at this point of separation like they they come to this conclusion that uh, we have to go we have to go our separate ways Um, notice what what they all see i mean look at abram abram is is really kind of full of, of grace like he wants peace he's he's really concerned about the strife especially because it's family you know it's his nephew lot that he loves and it's it's kindred and And there's tension and there's strife and he just wants there to be peace and so it's interesting that as the patriarch he would have the say like abram would be the one to say look at all of this i'm taking this spot with the cows Uh, you can go over there with the rocks lot and and your people Um, that's not what he does Uh, he shows kindness and generosity and he kind of uh, lets lot choose and, you know, my experience has been that whenever we spend time at the altar, whenever we've called on the name of the Lord, we journey differently. We're better at it. When we look at Lot and his view of the world, it just seems like, like all Lot can see is Lot. And all that he's concerned about is um, how his situation can improve. And you know, it shows up again in this text. It says, living in the land were the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I wonder about them. I wonder what they must have thought about these powerful, wealthy people moving into and dividing up their homeland. So you remember how this whole pilgrimage began with Abram and Sarah. It began with this promise, this, this promise of blessing. And God says, I will bless you and that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So exactly how does that play out? I've wondered about that. How are all the families of the earth going to be blessed? Is God going to just miraculously provide we know stories like this. Some centuries later with Moses. They're they're in this dry, barren place, and, and God miraculously brings water from the rock so that they won't won't thirst to death. And in the mornings there's bread that miraculously comes from heaven, and in the evening all of a sudden there's all these tender quails for dinner. Like is that what God's gonna do? Like, what's Abram's role in this whole thing. I mean, the story does say, God does say that in you, Abram, all of the families of the earth are gonna be blessed. So, I think about us. Our our question for us today as, as we come to this altar is how are we able to live together in the land? And and I think it's deeply affected by how we hold our stuff. How lightly are we clinging to our resources? I think about this call of Abraham and this promise of blessing And I have to ask myself and us, are we the blessing that God wants and needs from us? So, uh, on the night that he gave himself up for us, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he took bread. And He broke the bread, and He gave it to His disciples, and He said, take and eat this, and remember that it's my body that was, was broken for you. And do this often in remembrance of me, and we remember something of God's pilgrimage. When God came our way and and journeyed in our direction, it was through the giving of Himself and through brokenness. And then, uh, Jesus uh, he takes the cup. And you know, when you think about the, the Passover meal and what they were celebrating with Passover, this this cup It's this this fourth cup of the Passover meal. It's the cup of salvation. And so Jesus takes this, this cup of salvation and he gives it to his disciples. And he says to them, this is my blood of a new covenant. There's something new happening. I think a big part of that newness is we no longer uh, covet what someone else has. We, we no longer look uh, selfishly at the world and at the land and, and at the things that, uh, that, that we wish we could cling to or this hoarding of the things that we have. Jesus says, whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And remember uh, that I bleed for you and I give the ultimate sacrifice for you. Uh, which is my life. And so today at this altar, we remember, we remember the sacrifice and love of God in Christ. And we give praise and we give thanksgiving and we remember the mystery of our faith, which is that Christ died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. And the great prayer that we pray is oh God pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood and that we will be made one in your spirit and one in ministry in generosity in sacrifice in our journey to all the world. Amen.